Hey, everybody. Welcome to Day One, Week One podcast. This is going to be Episode 5, Part 2. We were fortunate enough to get scheduled, get everything worked out so we could get Dave Rabin back here. Local law enforcement since 2016. So much knowledge on the first podcast when he was here. Man, I cannot wait to hear some of the stuff that you got for this one. We're so excited to have him here for part two. My name's Billy Bowering. I got Nick Gotta here. Say hello, Nick. Hello, hello. All right. Dave is back. Let's let's start from the beginning, man. What do you think? Uh, fantastic. I, I love, I like dealing this, doing this. This is uh, interesting, very opening, and I like it. Man, we learned Thanks so much. For having me back. Absolutely. We learned so much from you last time talking about calling for backup. I mean, that was, that was what, that was my takeaway. That was my takeaway. If you're in that spot, you don't know if you're going to make the call or every or anything else, and you related it back to the job. If you're going into a situation where you know you're going to need help, or you even think you need help, you got to call for that backup. That was powerful to me, man. Thanks for relaying that. I hope that just speaks to tons of folks out there with that. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. So, man, here, part two. I mean, what do we do, right? So we still got, we got stories. We got things that we can still cover, right? Um, I want to talk about, if we can, uh, that, that one night in January. Yep. We're going to talk about that for just a minute, okay? Um, I, want to, I don't want to give Perfect a lot of... scenario to get yeah. all three of us involved in that one. Right. Um, I don't want to give a lot of detail because the details of that situation, yep. they'll come out some, at some point. It, yep at some point later, but I want to kind of tell my side of what happened and how our interaction was that yeah. night. So, um, with the, again, without a lot of detail, Nick and I were involved in a situation where, um, bottom line, it was a critical incident. It was a, it was a very high intensity situation. Yep. Very dangerous. Correct. Um, Nick had already left, left the scene. So yeah, I said I had enough. I'm I'm out. So you guys yeah, he was like, yeah, Nick you guys dip, handle this. Nick dipped on us. <laughs> yeah, you know? uh, never mind. <laughs> he says I just left. Yeah, he had, to, he had to go get his boo boo checked out. Yeah, that, see you guys that, later. Right. It not only did he leave, but he left quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, did they have your blue lights and all? Did, yeah, Nick, did they have your Powerpuff Bandit for you? <laughs> uh, uh, they were out of those. Oh, okay, they were I out of those. Barbie, right? Is that uh, what it was? Barbie was out because that's been a hot thing lately with the movie and everything. Yeah, so the right. was like true. So I got a uh, Blues Clues and Paw Patrol. <laughs> Fantastic. Did, did you at least get the police one? You didn't get the firefighter one, right? Yeah, they said there was an issue with the police one. Uh, oh, so he did Jesus. have a red hat. Yeah, he must have been out of call. Yeah, I that's think right. it has to do with the political. He might have been climate. backing us up yeah. on the other side. Right. The gotcha. political climate. They kept it safe. There they you go. Give me a red hat. Hey, the, it, the one thing that I remember quickly from that scenario that came out quickly was Nick in the back of a patrol car running code to the hospital with a flashlight up to his face like he was telling a spooky story. <laughs> Looking into the mirror, trying to see... It, mirror, mirror on the wall. Trying to see where his injuries were. Yeah. <laughs> trying to see where the blood was coming from. And I, right. I was... I mean, I was in the back, so I was in a cage. Yeah. So, Yeah. I was. I probably would have kicked the cage out. I'd probably be like, "Nope, nope, no, nope. You're not sticking me back there." I was looking through the driver's rear view mirror with a flashlight, literally below my uh, <laughs> below my chin, 
And he was shining up. And he saw the light, obviously. And he looks in the rear view and sees me. I look like the... <laughs> just like complete... Yeah, it was, it was ugly looking. And he yeah. was like... I remember he goes, Nick, Nick, just stop. Just stop. <laughs> just stop. We'll be there shortly. Just relax. Just We're going to be there in a minute. And I was like, oh. Just sit back. Hey, throw, a, throw a towel through the partition and go, hey, oh, just hold that for a second. That was great. Yeah. That was what I didn't it, know that, was, that. I didn't know that part. I, well, he, I, he told us told that. that he told us that that night after we got to the hospital to see him. That was fantastic. He told us that it was it was phenomenal. Well, <laughs> well let me just say I, I I couldn't get to see you that night, right. uh, obviously because you were involved in that and mm-hmm. uh, stuck to the side. But I did make sure I checked on my people. So that's right. You know, the word got around. Everybody was good. That's what I. That's what I want to talk about. Um, when I came off perimeter, when the you know when. Reinforcements finally got there and, and different things were put into place. Yep. Uh, the four other initial personnel that were there when everything kicked off um, were pulled over to the command center. Yep. And you were standing there. And I remember you looked at me and you pointed at me. And mind you, said, you, mind you, I'm standing there in my uniform. Right. With my rifle. <laughs> and I'm going... I need to see one guy and yep. one guy only. Yep. And then I can do everything else. Right. Because we already had our stuff covered. Right. We were we were set up, you know, spot on. Mm-hmm. But I, I had to make sure I had to see one guy. I right. knew the other one was gone in a, in a car. Right. And I, I saw the other ones and I said, I got to see one more guy and, I, and I'm going to go back to my, my, my area. Right. To do our thing. So I walked up towards you and yep. you pointed at me and you said, have you called your wife yet? Exactly. <laughs> Priority one. Yeah. Have you called your wife yet? Yeah. And I was, just, I looked at, I looked at Dave and I said, tell her that you put eyes on me and that I'm good. Yes. And I did. But I can't call her right now because yep. my phone was somewhere else. I wasn't able to get to it. And, and in that scenario, in that scenario, I saw you, I saw top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I saw no, no uh, things that should, shouldn't be out of place. <laughs> and I said, let me make a phone call. Right. I called up, you know, my better half and, hey, tell Billy's wife he's good. Don't call him. Leave him alone for a minute. We've got things we need to deal with, but we are okay. Right. And the phone call was, got it, love you, bye, click. Right. And it was over. And it was and, probably another couple hours before then, I was actually able to call. Right. So. And then I get a text five minutes later. Well, she's fine, but uh, the crying has stopped. Yeah. And... uh the big sigh of relief, and she co- almost collapsed in the floor from the mm-hmm. relief. Right. Uh, and I said, good. And I told my better half, I said, you do not leave that woman until I tell you to. Right. I don't care if you have to call out of work tomorrow. You stay mm-hmm. there until I call you back. Right. I'm going to make sure I'm gonna make sure that her husband goes home tonight. Right. Uh, so the, the priority was safety. Right. And knowing where everyone is. And um, – your wife knows, and, and my girlfriend knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're in that scenario, we got to focus. Absolutely. So when I when I send you that text and I say, "Hey, I'm good," mm-hmm. communication stops. Right. J- just you know, not not that we don't care, but just we need to focus. Right. So I will I will be back, but mm-hmm. I just need you to leave me leave me be for a minute. Right. Uh, so again, walking up, I see I see Billy coming around the front side of the command post with a couple guys escorting him around and I see him and I go, called your wife? No? <laughs> cool. I got you. Yeah. Be back. So I scurried back to my car and made a phone call and then went back to handling my business. 
but it just speaks to the the trauma that it's not just between us on scene. Yep. It goes to through the, the phone line to the houses and the spouses are affected as well. Spouses uh, and significant others and, and all of that. Yep. The trauma doesn't stop at the scene. Right. Right. Yep. And, and <clears throat> my agency was in, in 2019, if you remember, we had a, a an incident like that in uh, um, same dynamic. Right. Um, got the call. Everybody started going. Um, the initial call was, you know, through the scenario, got to the point where they said, okay, we've got enough people. Everybody just hold off for a minute. And then the scenario progressed and it's, okay, we need more. Because when you first get there, you establish what's going on and then you establish where you need what to go. And then, unfortunately, in that scenario, one of the responding parties in, in my agency was involved in a collision on the way, uh, running code. And uh, when he called out for his incident, my thought process was, okay, the critical incident, they've got enough people there. I need to go back him up because I don't know what's going on with him. So I, I made a phone call. You know, camera's on, dash cam's on, recording. And uh, the the phone call was to to my better half, and it was, hey, I need you to know a few things. Listen carefully. Mm-hmm. And it was, she was at work, and it, it was a it was a pause, no sound from the other end of the phone, and it was okay. And I said, I'm going to this scenario. Uh, this is what's going on. I need you to know I'm fine. I need you to call. A, B, C, and D, and tell them this is what's going on, uh, and, and I'm good, but I may be away from my phone. So if you call me, I'm good. I'm not the one directly involved, but I got to go back people up. And so it goes back to that support system again. When you make that phone call that you're going into that, those people know what's going on, and they know you're going to be good, but you know you got to make it through that scenario one step at a time. Well, the one thing that my wife told me, so the thing was with my wife, the most important thing to her is that she can hear my voice. Yep. That's, soon that's she, As soon as she heard my voice, it took a couple hours, but as soon as she heard my voice, I said three things to her. I said, first of all, I want you to know I love you. Number two, I want you to know that God is real. That's why I'm still here. Absolutely. And number three, I'm still working and I'll be home soon. She said, okay, I love you. And she hung on. Yeah. And that's where, that's all she needed. And, 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 and if I could have done that two hours sooner, I certainly would have. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but, in that, in, but in, I couldn't. Yeah, definitely. In that scenario, it was, right. uh, it was hectic and we yeah. had things going on. And sometimes, unfortunately, that, those things take priority over family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as we can get the message out that we're good, right. everything's great. Uh, matter of fact, back in that back in 2019, we had that situation with our agency. Um, I get a phone call from one of the other guys on shift, and he said, "Hey," he said, uh, "Have you talked to your better half in the last hour or so?" I said, "No, nah, I hadn't talked to her in a while." I said, "I'm I'm I'm up at the hospital doing security right now." Uh, for that scenario. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, okay. He said, well, just let you know, she contacted me through Facebook just to find out that you were cool. 
because you wouldn't answer your phone and she called three, four, five times over like an hour time frame. And I said, that's fine. That's cool. I'm glad she did. Just tell her I'm cool and tell her what I'm doing. And he called her back and he said, hey, you know, he's good. He's doing this. You know, he's doing this and this takes priority over any communication with personal fan, you know, personal people. Uh, so just give him a minute. He's good. Um, and again, goes back to that support system. Having having somebody you can call because like like I said earlier in in part one, I got that family member I can call mm-hmm. and I tell him, hey, listen up, or I can I can give him a ten code and he knows what it is <laughs> and he will his brain will click and he'll go, all right, tell him what you got, yeah, and I can tell him a few things and you know give him a few key points and he'll call around, he'll go, hey, he's fine, just just to let you know he's dealing with X Y Z, he's fine, he's good, you know, so. My wife and, and I communicate like that sometimes if I've got one yeah. in the car, if I got one in custody. Yep. She'll call and I'll immediately turn it off. And she'll send me a question mark and I'll send her a 10 code. And she'll be like, oh, okay, call me yeah. when you're done. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> my, my, yeah, mine's that way now. Yeah. So, and I, I told Alexis the other day, uh, you call at the worst times. <laughs> like I, I've got a guy in my car that's <laughs> screaming and yelling at me. And then all of a sudden, I see your pretty face pop up on my phone, and right. then he starts drilling me over you. Right. And I'm going. Sometimes I wish we didn't have such rules, because this guy would 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 suffer his comments, and then <laughs> she would, you know, get a front row seat to the show. Uh, but at the same time, she calls because she wants to know what's going on. Right. Especially if she sees the news and it says, you know, this so, has happened or this right. has happened, and. But mm-hmm. she, for that moment, right? You know, you get that, like all of a sudden, just tightened up, and you're worried about that person. And then, okay, cool, it's good. Right. Well, hey man, let me ask you. Um, you're coming to, let's say, you're coming to the, you're at the end of your career. You've done your 28, your 32, your whatever it is. You're a commanding officer over whatever, or you're just still road, road guy. Either way, you've done your time. Tomorrow, you're going 1042. You're calling out for the last time. But today, a rookie walks in. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to take on the world, just like, you oh, and yeah. I, just like everybody else when oh, we, yeah. we started day one, week one of yeah. our law enforcement career. Absolutely. What are you telling this guy? Talk, um, talk to him like he's sitting right here in front of you and he's saying, listen, I want to know what this job is about. Tell me your best day and your worst day and how do I prepare for it? Your best day is, especially in, in, in policing, your best day is putting somebody away that deserves it, that done something egregious. And I'm talking the darkest hole you can find mm-hmm. the creatures. Your worst day is being in that hole with him because you and I and Nick have all been in, in the car and that call for help comes over the radio and it sounds horrific and you hear the voice on the other end of it. Um, and that voice is on its last leg fighting for the last minute your your worst day is being that person or being in the hole with that person 
So the, the one thing I would tell a rookie is be proud of your job, be proud of who you are as an officer, but be prepared to be in a dark place if needed to be. Because you're going to have to do things in this job that people will question. But if you can make amends with what you have to do and what the result is, your job will be well worth it. Um, in my nine years on in this career, there's been several times where, again, like we talked about in part one, you make that split-second decision and then you regret it or mm-hmm. you, you talk about it again or you're... you're reanalyze it uh, a day one rookie needs to understand that you're going to make that decision but it's not the end of the world remember the basics and make that decision and go forth again your best day is putting that person away your worst day is being in the hole with him mm-hmm. because you're going to have to you're going to be in a dark place eventually in this career everybody does doesn't matter who you are unless you are an office Unless you're a desk, a desk jockey for your entire career, or you're, you know, you're sitting in a room, you're going to end up with trauma. And even if you're a dispatcher, you're going to end up with trauma. You're going to end up listening to that voice because between the person calling for help and the one going to him is the dispatcher listening. And she's getting resources and she's getting backup and she's negotiating with other agencies to get assets and, and, and all that thing. So unless you're sitting in the closet somewhere logging evidence, nothing against them, obviously, but you know, you're, you're going to be in that trauma. So, well, I assume be if you're prepared you, to, if, to be if, a part of it, if you're in that, if you're in that place and you've, you've already experienced some of the stuff on the road, you know what I mean? Cause you've had to start there. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you, I think you've graduated to logging evidence <laughs> at that point, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Cause you've been out there, you've been, you've well, been in the thick of it yeah. too. Cause it doesn't take long in this career to see your first set of trauma. My, what exactly? Well, right. my, my, uh, and critical incidents too. Mm-hmm. My first, uh, my first day off FTO was the second week in May. On night shift. That was my first day alone by myself. Now that... Scary, isn't it? Yes. Because that's the busiest month of the year where we have the most calls, the most critical uh, critical accidents and critical, critical scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here I am. I was that rookie once. And the first day when I sat down in that car to leave my house on my own the first time, the first thing that I thought in my head was, yeah, I'm free. And the second thing that I thought was, oh, joy, this is going to be fun. Because my worry was, here I am in the busiest week of, you know, the busiest month of the year on night shift by myself. And I am, I am, I'm so new, the ink on my certification is still wet. So, again, back to, to what would I say to a rookie? When you go out on your own the first time, don't get in a rush. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually heard this quote from a TV show, but it actually works. The quote was, don't be in a hurry to get yourself killed. So don't rush to something. Don't rush to go after somebody. Don't ru- sit back for a second and just think of the scenario. Because every scenario I was in as a rookie, 
when I went back and looked at it, I talked it over my supervisor and it was, well, the only thing I could say that you could have done different was you could have changed your tone in the siren. Slow, slow down. down for a second. Right. Cause you were talking, you were talking great, but you're talking <laughs> loud and you're talking at hundred miles an hour, but everything <laughs> you said was right on. Yeah. But you were just tunneled in. Right. So just slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I get, uh, I get that all the time. Yeah. I really do. I get it all the time. I'm, my supervisor tells me all the time, dude, you're always at a lake at level 10. And I'm like, it's just because I'm hyper-focused on, and, and on, on the situation and I'm trying to prepare myself for any possible scenario. I've had, you know? a, I've, had the, I've had the statement made to me one time by a supervisor. You got close to being out of control, but you toned it down. Just as soon as you hit that point, mm-hmm. you bounced off that ceiling and you came right, right. back down. Right. Because you recognize the problem. Right. So don't be in a hurry. Don't get in too much of a hurry. Slow down. Think about things. Put yourself in the perspective of somebody looking from the side. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at a scenario and what you're about to do, if you hesitate, if you think about it and you hesitate, don't do it. Because you're going to make a mistake. Right. But if that decision comes to you without question, you're right on the money. So just just slow down. And uh, worst day on the job, that is defined by who you are individually. But again, you're going to see that trauma. So being in that hole with the bad guy, be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't run from it though. Cause I remember when I was a rookie, when I went through the through the through training, uh, it was all about the it was all about don't die. Mm-hmm. You know, they they try don't die. You, you everything's gonna kill you. Right. It's not a hundred percent true, but it's a preparedness you need to have. So don't don't stress yourself about everybody. But when as you're walking up, if that Voice in the back of your head goes, stop, listen to that voice. You know, um, I've heard a supervisor tell me one time, <clears throat> always be as nice as they will allow you to be. Yes. Because yes. there's times we, we don't get to be nice. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, I think the question of what would you tell about the worst, the best and worst day is, is too vague almost. Because this this job is an ever-flowing river of mm-hmm. scenarios. We never have the same scenario twice. Uh, and the same you never have the same response twice. So, yes, be as nice as you are allowed to be. And be no more, be no harder than you need to be. As soon as you get that point across, lay off. Mm-hmm. And if if you don't feel like that point's been made, do what you can, do what the law allows you to do, and let them suffer the consequences. Don't worry about what happens after. Right. Again, it goes back to what we talked about in part one. If you can't control it, don't worry about it. It's not gonna, it's not gonna, you're not gonna change it. So many lessons in just I mean, I want to say just nine years. Nine years is is a it's yep. an it's an effective career. Uh, I, in law I, enforcement. Most people some of them some people get out before nine years is up. Yeah, I will be 100% honest when I say I I have went through scenarios. Uh, I earned my nine years. Mm-hmm. I've been through scenarios that 
I'm not going to say that I'm, I was the best one for that scenario, but I've been in the scenarios where if I hadn't have done what I'd done, I wouldn't be here today. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't have acted the way I did, I wouldn't be here today because I've been in close calls in different scenarios where I had to show my firearm Mm -hmm. and I had to put, I had to come dangerously close to using it. And then I gained what I needed to Mm -hmm. and got the situation under control. Right. Um, but in nine years, I've seen my fair share of, of trauma, of, uh, bad outcomes Mm -hmm. and unfortunate events. Um, Unfortunate events happens a lot in this career. Right. And more times than none, you see some of the the worst scenarios you can see. And then you think back on it and you go, if that would have happened a second earlier, it's been totally different. You know, um, I've seen, uh, I've seen collisions where if, the two vehicles would have been doing would have been one second back or one second further and a miss completely. Right. But unfortunately it resulted in a, in a fatality. Sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about real quick. Um, not real quick, but just mentors throughout your career, throughout your career. Um, obviously your family's been a very big part of your support system. You talked about your cousin uh, in part one. He was that guy that you could call. Yes. Um, Now that you're nine years in, in your career, are there individuals in your agency that you look up to that you're like, man, I want to be like that guy in my career? Or is, have you been able to separate yourself? there's, There's a couple people that I would like to be as good at the job as they are. Um, having a mentor can be, it can be anybody. It can be your supervisor. It Mm -hmm. can be his supervisor. It can be your Lieutenant captain, whatever throughout your chain of command. It can be anybody. It can be a partner that you're on the shift with. Um, being, having a mentor to me just means that that person is, what I would want to be in his position, how I would want to be, you know, cause I, I have a super, I have a part of my command now, part of my chain of command. Uh, he got promoted since I've been on, he's been promoted twice. Mm-hmm. Um, from, he was a evidence tech supervisor. And then he went on to be in the post supervisor. And now he's up in the, the command office and in, in, in uh, our command office mm-hmm. uh, for the the area, uh, and he's uh, he's one of those people that never changed through promotion. Right. That's what a mentor and a leader should be. Right. No matter how far up the chain you get, you should be able to relate to the guys on the road, because whether you're at the bottom of the totem pole mm-hmm. or the top of the food chain. If you can't go back to when you did the job, you're not going to lead your people correctly because you're going to lead them with what works for a command member. So you treat the janitor just like you treat the CEO. 
Yes. Right? You've heard you that. Treat, yes, heard I've that heard that several times. <laughs> you treat uh, both with the same level of respect. Right. Exactly. When he walks in the room, you treat him the same. If right. you would hold the if you would hold the door for a CEO carrying a coffee cup and a briefcase, you should hold it for the janitor holding right. a mop bucket and a mop. Absolutely. Because they're the same person. Right. One's just a different different level of the ladder than he is. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is very clear. Hold no one else above yourself. Yes. Just right? just <clears throat> it's hard to do in this profession sometimes because you absolutely because people test at, your patience. <laughs> um, correct. So you do have people that you look up to yes. that, that kind of help shape some of the decisions that you make going forward and maybe yes. direct you in a path towards leadership, all that kind of stuff. I work with the guys mm-hmm. who put me in my agency, right? Who made me want to be in my agency. Matter of fact, one of the guys that I that I was, I did a ride along with him Very cool. before I became in my agency. Very cool. And then when I got into my agency, the real kicker or the real thing that made me happy of my choice was he came to me one day, like a year, year and a half after I started. And he said, uh, he said, man, I'm real proud of you. He said, you're doing good. He said, everybody I, you know, everybody I talked to about you says that mm-hmm. you, you work hard you're you're right there with everybody else as far as your work ethic and and level and you you know you don't let someone else drown in paperwork while you're sitting on your butt right you know and hearing that from one of the people that got me in this agency yeah. makes it worthwhile that I made the right decision and then I see people who I worked with over the years that said man you look as happy as you've ever been and I'm like yeah absolutely I, if I'd have known, if I'd have known what I know now, I'd have been in this position the entire nine years mm-hmm. instead of you know switching different agencies. Right. Um, I've got mentors on that that are not in the business anymore mm-hmm. that were when you know when I first got interested in it. Uh, like I talked about part one, my my cousin was a, a correctional officer as well. He was the big he was the big token to get me in this business. Because I saw what he did. Right. And then he had friends that came along and taught me things about the job. And then I met different people throughout my childhood that were officers that I thought were uh, strong, you know, well-built individuals that were, you know, uh, squared away. And, 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 you know, they made a difference with what they did. And it drove me to being a part of that. Um, I had a school resource officer that now is a supervisor uh, with your agency mm-hmm. uh, that I deal with on occasion. And he's the same guy today as he was when I was in school. Just the same, you know, he he deals with people on the road with the same level of respect he deals mm-hmm. with people with kids. Right. And again, we talked about sometimes you can only be so nice. Teenagers in high school will do the same thing that <laughs> grown adults will do. They will push your buttons. I really don't see myself ever being a no, absolutely a, not. An I SRO. Do that. Because, uh, and, and only because no offense to the kiddos, but man, no, no, uh, no, there's a patient level that different people have. Yes, and that's not, I'm not one of those. And see, I was again like we talked about part one. Right. I was raised in the household, spare the rods, bowl the child, and you can't do that to public school kids because <laughs> parents don't allow it. You know, parents don't want you teaching them that way. Um. Not to say that their teaching is a, is it doesn't work, but my my teaching of a child would be different 
if I was an officer. Mm-hmm. And obviously, being an officer, you belong to an agency, and they're not going to let you teach the way you would at home. So I couldn't do that job. School bus <laughs> drivers either. Um, I definitely couldn't be a school bus driver. Yeah. I'd be pulled my be hair tough. out or, or just parked on the side of the road and walked off and left it. <laughs> uh, tell one of the seniors, hey, jump up here and drive because I'm leaving. Right. Um, well, hey, man, uh, again, this has been incredible to have you yeah. come on board uh, for two parts. You're the first one to give, her, give us a, 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 a double show, um, and I'm excited about it. I can't wait for um, both of these episodes to come out um, because it's going to be – incredibly impactful to the people that listen to it. Um, yeah. I've, I've gained I a lot so. of, I gained a lot of knowledge from you today. Um, and also in part one, man, um, really looking forward to seeing the response. Um, we definitely are going to, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Nick agrees. We're definitely going to have you back. Maybe not a part three, maybe a different episode on different topics, something like that. I don't know. Absolutely. But either way, um, man, just the relationship that we have, we work together. We see each other out there all the time. Um, I know, you know, just sitting here across the table from you in a controlled environment like this is a lot different. We, yeah, we get to be a little bit more lax oh, absolutely. Uh, than, than we do when we're in uniform. And, uh, yeah. it's been an incredible joy for me to, to sit across the table from you, um, listen to your stories and, uh, listen, you're a man's man when it comes to, um, uh, wearing the uniform, you're always squared away. Every time I see you, man, um, you, you bring pride to that profession. There's 100% uh, to that. Um, not just the appearance, but also your personality, everything about you. There's a reason you love the job, and it shows. And it's it's absolutely amazing. And then Thank you. We're just thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for being candid with us and vulnerable and all of that stuff. Uh, and we look forward to having you come on again, man. Absolutely. If you're in this business and you you not really certain if you're doing it right, um, reach out to someone who's either retired from it or still in it but been in it a while. And if you're struggling with a trauma, it's not a shameful thing to ask for help. It's real easy just to – the hard part is not asking for help. It's knowing who to ask because not asking the right person will make you worse than what you were. So learn who your support system is. Learn what you can do and how you can do it. And if you're struggling, that means you're doing, you're probably doing it right because the good ones always struggle. The bad ones are just, in my opinion, too lazy to get involved. So it's... We got so many quotes <laughs> from him. That it seems like every every five five or so seconds, you, you, you make a, a statement that, you know, we need to quote it and put it somewhere. You know what I mean? It's just it, so much so much uh, knowledge coming out. I yeah. love it. I love it. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm no, sorry. you're good. Uh, it's, um, and, and the last thing I would say about this job is be respectful but put yourself first in a lot of the trauma that you have because there are people in your own family that will not support you because they think what you're going through is weakness 
and that's a that's a false that's a false opinion. That's not a good opinion. That's a that's a poor poor mentality. Um, and do not be afraid to uh, speak out, say something. You ain't gotta you ain't gotta get on top of a mountain and shout it to the world, but say something to a friend. Again, it goes back to that support system, but don't be shameful of of speaking out and asking for help. It's it's, it's not it's not hard to ask for help. Again, knowing who to ask. So uh, there is a trust factor. Yeah, there really is. Yeah. So find that and go with that. Find that trust for someone and go with that. Awesome. Outstanding words. Dave, uh, again, overwhelmed, man. Uh, just just great knowledge, both parts. Uh, super excited about having you here. We're going to definitely do this again. Um, everybody that's listening to the podcast, listen, um, if you get a chance, um, Dave's going to be giving his telephone number so you can call him because he's the guy. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not publicly, <laughs> but you know, if kidding. you know anybody involved just, or, just or want to send, yeah. Cause I will tell you this, if I was going to pick up the phone, Dave would be one of the guys that I'd want to, I would want to call a hundred percent without any second guessing. I'm gonna make sure my door's unlocked first. After all the comments you made about yeah, kicking it in, yeah, no. If you, if if you call for help, be be ready to remodel. That's right. You're gonna rip the door off. <laughs> yeah, remodel and revamp. That's, That's what right. he's here for. Yeah, remodel the house, revamp the mind. We'll talk about your problems while we repaint your wall. <laughs> we'll talk about it while we're repainting. That's right. There you go. Outstanding. Well, thanks again, man. I really, it's been absolutely been an honor. I'm blown away. Um, both episodes just absolutely uh, is going to have such a powerful impact. And I really appreciate you I coming out. Does. Yeah, absolutely. Does. All right, everybody, make sure you go to dayoneweek1.org, register your web, your email, uh, register your email so that you can get a chance to uh, get all the alerts when the podcast comes out. Also, you can make a donation at donate.dayoneweek1.org. All the donations that we receive go to help offset the cost of mental health for first responders. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We got short videos, all that kind of stuff coming up. And make sure you check us out on Spotify, iHeart, um, all the social media platforms. We're out there wherever you can find a podcast. Follow us, like us. Please send us a review. Let us know what you know, what you think about it. We need to know your feedback. We got to know what you want to hear. Maybe uh, possibly if you reach out to us, like uh, our last episode in four, uh, someone reached out. They ended up being on the podcast and uh, absolutely has changed some lives with that. So definitely reach out to us. You can reach out to me at wbowering at dayoneweek1.org. You can reach out to Nick at nick at dayoneweek1.org. Or you can just, if you want to share your story, contact at dayoneweek1.org. Thanks for listening, guys. We're looking forward to episode six.